Welcome in, everybody, to Pac-12 Football and Beyond here for this Friday, May 22nd. Uh, hope everyone is safe and want to, before I forget, at the end of the show, wish you all a happy holiday weekend. Kind of got lost in the fact that um, forgetting that it was Memorial Day weekend is next um, next Monday is June 1st, so it comes a little bit earlier than uh uh, normal Memorial Day, or just creeped up on me a little bit quicker, I guess is what I'm trying to say this year. So have a great and safe weekend, and good news, obviously, football fans, as we're getting closer and closer towards uh, getting players back to facilities. We see that light <clears throat> at the end of the tunnel, and everyone is feverishly preparing on how they're going to go about dealing with um the most important thing, as I've said all along, is how do you deal with an environment to make it safe once the players get back? So that's what's going on around um, uh, that issue uh, with the players returning. Uh, got a couple of things we're going to get to on the national side and then get into a recap of the Pac-12. New leadership at UCLA. We're going to talk a little bit about really the football program, but obviously the big picture with the new athletic director. What does it mean? What can they do to, obviously with UCLA being a uh, long tradition basketball school, how can you possibly parlay that into at least better production in the football program than they have in the past? So we're going to get to uh, all of that today. A couple of reminders, as we always like to do at the top. Thank our great folks um, from 401k Generation that bring you this podcast each and every day. They are doing such a wonderful job in this time of this pandemic, but they do it all year round. They understand the financial market. They understand how to help you protect your financial goals. I always say what should be the role of a money manager, a financial planner. It should be to listen, learn what your goals are, and get a good feel for how you want to achieve those goals and what the plan is and help you with that plan. Uh, and go from there to allow you to create that financial security, make sure that you're on track to your financial goals. And so uh, reach out to them today. Uh, they are licensed in all 50 states. And no obligation phone call or text, but they can certainly help you get a feel for where you are, where you want to be, and make those things merge together. one 866 998-5879. That's 1-866-998-5879 is the number to reach them. I also want to remind you that um, we've got and will continue to have here uh, for a little bit our scouting season offer at LandryFootball.com. And, and what do you get with that? And, and certainly there's free content and certainly um, you can uh, – Listen to this podcast, although we certainly hope that you sign up for this podcast and go to, when when you listen to the podcast on the website, sign up for it so that you can 
uh, it goes directly to your phone so that you can make sure uh, that it gets there. And, uh, and it's there for you waiting every time you listen to it. Um, you want to make sure that, um, that you do that. And, um, you know, I think that that's uh, really important to have it come to your phone each and every day. Um, I want to make sure that uh, you understand that LandryFootball.com is a way that we can kind of peel back the curtain and give you insights into the pro game, into the college game, so that um, you can get a better feel from a personnel side, from a coaching side, of what's going on in the pro game, in the college game. Um, understand evaluation of players, evaluation of coaches, understanding of scheme, so that you have a good feel for how things um, are playing out in that regard. And gives you a better understanding. So that's what we do. We've got everything. And uh, don't know really anybody that can bridge the gap of experiences of being a college coach, recruiting coordinator, an NFL scout, an NFL coach, to be able to evaluate that stuff for you firsthand. Uh, it's not just it's not information gathering like other websites. It's it's being able to give you firsthand knowledge of understanding it. So check out the LandryFootball.com content and take advantage of the scouting season offer. Less than $5 a month will get you access to that information 12 months a year. And we, uh, you can try it out for a month, three months. Um, you will certainly uh, not regret it. You're going to absolutely love it. So let's get into some the latest news in college football. Um, you know by now, as it happened yesterday, I wanted to mention it again, uh, actually late Wednesday. And it was a, um, a proposal that was next by the NCAA of a one-time eligibility waiver for transfers in 2020. And this was expected. It became clear in April that the proposition from the transfer waiver working group would ultimately uh, be shut down, at least for the time being. And it's, um, look, the reason why this whole transfer ease of movement was even positioned. It was it was a way to give an olive branch towards the group that has been trumpeting gotta pay the players. Gotta gotta pay them. They don't get paid anything. Completely ignoring what they get in terms of a value of a of an education. Um and all the things that come with it, support groups to help you achieve that. Completely forgetting the value of that, but looking at it more in a myopic view of, hey, paid players. Well, it's not professional football. Um, yes, it's a very unique situation. It's unlike any other country in the world. Of course, football, while it's growing around the country, American football is completely different. But sports... You know, basketball, for example, that's very popular worldwide, baseball and a lot of sports, they don't have college programs around the country. They have club teams, basically, if you will. But you don't have the, the scholarship model. You don't have the model we have now. 
college football is much older, deeper rooted in tradition than pro football in this country. And there's probably more passion. I think there's definitely more passion in the support of a college program than the NFL teams. In general, there certainly individual people have their preferences. But as a whole, you've got more passion related to support of your program, willingness to spend money to support your program, to have involvement. You don't have that in pro football. You spend your money on the PSLs and your merchandising and do what you want, but nobody supports the owner other than, again, the seat licensing, the tickets, which is significant. I'm not saying it's not, but in college you have you know, other types of donations that people are involved in to the university, and it's supporting its university programs that makes it unique. Um, it's, it is a unique model worldwide and that it also happens to be for football the farm system, if you will. You know, you could make the case that, uh, and they'll never do it, but that maybe some of the money that the NFL has made in the popularity of the sport, that perhaps... Uh, maybe helping and doing things, maybe not out and out paying football programs, but certainly um, I think having a role in using its influence to help fund things that would benefit college football, uh, officiating, uh, equipment issues. And I think they do some, I know they do some of it, but I think doing more is certainly in order and, and certainly funding a lot of that to where it saves money from athletic departments, which people think athletic departments make money hand over fist. They make money, yes. They have large expenses for athletic programs that make no money, however. So the balance sheet doesn't add up like it does in pro football. Yet there's a scream to pay players. Well, in the effort to scream to pay players, you know, certainly the NCAA doesn't want that. Certainly the N- the NCAA institutions is what I'm talking about does not want that. So they came out. Well, look, we'll 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 give you the bone of you can go and transfer anytime you want, and threw that out. That was dumb to do that. It was in desperation to throw an olive branch. The worst scenario was. It was on the docket. It's been pushed back, mainly due to the pandemic. Everything has. But what it has done is put um, this whole chaotic, disastrous, a player can transfer anytime he wants to for any reason and go, um, you know, Some people support that. I have been around the game long enough to not support it because I understand the repercussions negatively to such a thing where others look at it and on the surface without really knowing what the hell goes on think, hey, nothing wrong with that. 
And then when, when stuff happens, hey, well, man, you can't have that happen. Well, that's, again, part of understanding what the hell goes on in this process. Players are recruited and are told how great they are. And then there becomes an environment if they're not as successful, maybe they don't. They were successful in high school off of talent. Now they got to work hard, be more disciplined. Don't you have to be? You know, people think it's going to college. You've got to be more of a self-starter. You don't have people in high school like you have in high school. Your parents that have got their thumb on you, your teachers that have got their thumb on you, at the at the junior high, high school level, grade school level, they're training you how to be diligent and to learn how to study, to learn how to take notes, to learn how to be a self-starter. They're teaching you how to do it. You go to college, anyone that's done that, been a part of that that's listening knows you got, you're on your own. You better get it done. And if you don't know how to get it done, there, there are resources to help you do a better job to maybe bridge the gap. Maybe if you didn't have a great high school experience or below, you can maybe improve that. And a lot of student athletes didn't have that great experience. But you better learn and you better grow with it. And if you don't, and you don't become a self-starter in the books, if you don't become a self-starter preparing to be a good football player, you're not going to be successful. So you may be Johnny Five Star, and you don't amount to a hill of beans because you don't work at it. Well, what's the answer? Learning how to prepare better, spend more time doing things that you need to be doing. That's what should be the case. And often it's the case of, huh, it's not working out. Coach doesn't like me. Not fair. I want to go somewhere else. So, I mean, it's from 10 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. They want to transfer here. They want to go somewhere else. The The next day they want to come back. And I, I, I've been a part of this my entire career. And nine times out of ten when they leave, they're sorry they left. Now, there's some exceptions to that. I believe kids ought to be able to transfer any time they want for a legitimate reason. Improvable situations, a sickness in the family, something that's really significant to be able to move closer to home for a personal issue. Those things... Are legitimate, and I don't think it should be. Look, if you got somebody and can prove somebody's, you know, uh, ill, and you need to go back and you need to be a part of something, that's that's understandable. But to just want to move just because, I do think there needs to be consideration when a coach leaves. That I think players ought to have some options to maybe move. But I think just this whole whimsical look, they can move on anytime they want. Coaches can move on anytime they want. There's a difference. Coaches are professionals. Coaches have contracts which they can negotiate in and out. Players don't. Players don't have those type of freedom of movement rights. You know, anytime you move, you lose college credits. You've got bigger issues involved there. 
that's the freedom of movement just because you just want to. You've got have a limit on that. Now, if a player doesn't get along with the coach, coach is in agreement with that, they can, you know, perhaps it be looked at, and I think perhaps a um, an advisory board can look at it and kind of basically make a ruling, an arbitrator can make a ruling to allow a player to move. If there's just issues with sometimes a coach player don't mesh, I think those need to be allowed to. I think there's circumstances players ought to be allowed to transfer. But just to pick up and move just because they feel like it and the wind blows one day, it's 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 an issue. Um, to have this rule right now, if they would have rubber-stamped this through, would have been a disaster as we head into this fall where we don't know what the hell's going to happen with this pandemic. We don't know, and we hope and pray as we look up to the heavens and say, um, oh, please, sweet Jesus, do not have a recurrence where our country goes back into a devastating situation of loss of lives. And, you know, we have to pull back and do things that, that have drastically um, handicap our country. If we were to have situations, breakouts in certain parts of the country, to where, look, for no fault of anybody's, we got to shut down a football season for a particular school. That makes avert an intolerable situation. There should not be a situation, for example, in, out west, in, let's say in California, just to throw that out, in New York, New Jersey, that, that, that a school that by judgment of people above the college level, the governors, the health authorities say it is imperative that we not allow certain activities on campus due to the safety of students. If it comes to that, and it's legitimate, not political, but legitimate, well, then you could have a situation if this rule would have been put in place where kids could have just left immediately. So it's July, it's August, and they're all leaving like, you know, just getting out of town and packing, and you could destroy an entire program programs. That is just beyond unethical to allow a program or programs to basically go under, ruin an entire league because of something that is beyond their control. Um, and I know people will say things like, well, they don't care about football in the Pac-12. And, you know, if they don't want to play to hell with them, let them go somewhere. That, that's, a, that's a selfish, ignorant way to look at things. Because they do care. Do they care as much in the Pac-12? Um, or as do, do as many people in the Pac-12 area care as much about college football as they do in the Southeast? No. Absolutely not. But they do care. And, and the way they do it and the lifestyle and everything is different. But if a program is going to fail, let them fail 
or succeed based on their merit and their contributions or lack thereof and not due to some pandemic. And I think that would have been a disaster if this transfer rule would have been allowed to be in place at any time during this process where we don't know where this pandemic is going for the next 18 months. And there needs to be, I think, a universal support that, look, we're going to all do our own thing, but for the good of college football, people need to start understanding that for the good of college football, it's important that it's good everywhere, or at least it has an opportunity to be good everywhere. So that's not going to happen. Of course, you know that the Division One Council of the NCAA has approved the resumption of voluntary activities um, beginning June 1st. So we're, we're going to get there uh, in, a, in a week. So that is great news. And, and, again, everyone is hopeful to get things back to where we can at least see how this season is going to play out and what the uh, contingency plans are going to be. Uh, Hence with um, some other news, uh, LSU gets a big time national news. LSU gets a big time verbal commitment. Another one from four star defensive end Savion Jones, six five two thirty five, Florida, Florida State, Mississippi State, Baylor, West Virginia, A and M. Um, kids from Vacher, Louisiana. He's really good athlete, track athlete, basketball player. In addition to being a great um, football player, is a long, explosive athletic pass rush potential. So really good get for them. Uh, uh, also nationally uncommitted four-star linebacker, the 2021 class, Junior Colson, will announce his pledge uh, this Sunday, May 24th. That's his plan. So we'll have that news for you on Monday show, the top of Monday show. Where is he going? Michigan, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, Oregon, all are players for the 6'2", 230-pounder. Hails from Brentwood, Tennessee. Uh, lanky-looking linebacker with loads of athletic upside. Not, uh, you know, a typical – a guy used to play receiver, got great range, um, a top 100, 125 player overall in his 2021 class. So we'll see where he ends up. Only Oregon is in the mix from the Pac-12. Louisville, again, nationally. Before we get into some Pac-12 discussion, it looks like they may be, if I'm not mistaken, the first that's going to phase in the return of their football players. Beginning on May 27th, so, uh, they will have their some, again, phasing some, not the entire team, but phasing it in. Uh, they're going to start with a group of around 30. They'll go through some testing and physicals. Uh, it's a good plan. Uh, I think people will learn about how successful or how unsuccessful some of these plans are. But the initial team activities um, will not be overseen by the coaching staff. It's going to be done, again, more of the, I think, the education process of how things are going to be, what you need to do, and they're going to do it in ways. So good for them, uh, for the administration at Louisville and Scott Satterfield and his program getting it done. So let's get into some Pac-12 discussions today. Uh, I want to start a little bit. With UCLA, where are they? Uh, Martin Jarman is coming over from Boston College. Obviously, has a background um, at the school. Certainly been a good athletic administrator. Worked his way up. Dan Guerrero, of course, is retiring. Serving 18 years as athletic director for UCLA. 
And there's a huge deficit in the program. Um, how much of that's due to lack of vision, lack of leadership of Dan Guerrero? I don't know. Not really fair to without being in that building every day to know. I know that <clears throat> certain programs have things that they can really sell. UCLA is the most applied to school in the country. More more people try to get into UCLA than any school in the country, students around the world. Uh, it is a unbelievable beauty upon beauty campus. It has not had great funding by comparison to, say, UCLA, to do the things, to build the things, to look like the things that should be of a top 15-type program, which UCLA potentially could be. They have not been for a long time. What's happened to UCLA from the Terry Donahue years? And look, even when, you know, I know there were times where UCLA won the Pac-12, Pac-10, excuse me, back then when Terry was coaching. There were times um, where maybe USC wasn't their best, but there was no, there was no Oregon. There were, there were programs that had success at times, Frank Cush had success at Arizona State, really, in the whack, and then coming over to the Pac-12. But what you had out west was, you know, a lot of dormant programs until um, Phil Knight got involved at Oregon. You didn't have that. <clears throat> you know, they had their success, and they've had good players go through Oregon over the years, but it's been only recent that they've put forth the type of resources. You know, Stanford – believe it or not, has had success in periods in time that were really, really good. And, you know, they they certainly have improved some things in fundraising. But as a whole, the Pac-12, and certainly specifically UCLA, from the times when, you know, it was the 70s and the 80s, where, you know, college football was not about tremendous facilities and great resources um, that's what really the population base in the deep south, southeast, grew the popularity of the sport. Uh, a lot of folks, um, they spent a lot of money going to games and all those things. And then it the growth of the sport on television really start and, and the money at the gate re, and, and the, the investments into your school led to some big-time facilities at some places. You know, Nebraska had great facilities, was probably the first one to have the really great facilities. And then it, then it started to go into the South because of the money. Well, the Pac-12 has been uh, a couple of generations behind in terms of facilities. And they're just trying to get to where they're relevant, certainly not competitive with facilities in the SEC, and I've been to all of them. So people say, oh, I love my place. I get it. There are a lot of places that are doing a lot of good things in the Pac-12 with their facilities. Uh, it's just not when you go to those places you and you go to a place in the SEC, you see a world of difference. 
you see. And what that says to recruits is one cares a lot more about football than the other. Whether it's real or not, that's the perception. And I think there's reality with that perception. But what UCLA has not been able to do is grow into the modern era as quickly as they have needed to. And that's led to, well, hires that may be more of, okay, let's find a fit. Let's find a financial fit. And it's maybe not hired some of the best folks they could have. UCLA could be a job that, I mean, I can remember back when Gary Barnett was the hot coach. Gary Barnett was at Northwestern, and he had done wonderful things there and took Northwestern to the Rose Bowl. He was the apple of everybody's eye. UCLA came at him, and now he didn't. He turned him down. But the fact that he even listened was an indication of kind of where they were pre-2000, that they were still relevant to some degree to at least get somebody like that to listen. Um, you look to this day, the finances. Look at what the basketball program went to uh, went through to hire their basketball coach and the folks that turned them down. The last couple of hires, it's been, you know, people that just haven't been that good. Certainly uh, Ben Holland had great success at Pitt and really did a good job at UCLA basketball-wise. I don't want to get into that, but did some good things. But it wasn't good enough yet. You know, look at look at what's happened since. It's not been the best. You know, it's not like that's the place that you want to go. That, hey, stop, UCLA's open. You know, it, it is not what Kentucky or Kansas or Duke or North Carolina. It doesn't resonate like that anymore, even though it's had that success. That's important because that's what UCLA's been known for more than football. So you take the football issues, and there are even more hurdles there than with basketball. And it's led to some hires, and assistant coaching hires, head coaching hires that haven't been quite as good. Everyone is thrilled with the hiring of Chip Kelly. Chip has not been able to recruit quite to the level. I think one of the appeals of Chip was that he could do things and he could sell kids and, you know, all of a sudden he's realizing, you know, they recruited pretty well at Oregon because their facilities helped it. They got in. They recruited better. Chip recruited better at Oregon than he's done at UCLA. Enough said. Chip's not a dumb coach. Chip hasn't lost, you know, speed off his fastball. Chip's not recruiting the level of players that he did when he was at Oregon, pure and simple. And until that changes, UCLA's got a problem. Why can't they? Um, I do think we obviously have some improvements in the facilities at UCLA, but is it enough? Is it progressing at the rate that they need? There's an apathetic view if you only, and we know there's a lot of things going on in California. If there's 
30,000 people in the Rose Bowl, it looks bad. It's a bad atmosphere. There's no on-campus football feel. There's a beautiful campus at UCLA. But, you know, and this is the same thing at USC. You don't have the Coliseum on USC's campus. You don't have the Rose Bowl on UCLA's campus. It's just not built that way. It's just the campuses are not like that. There's not enough space on the, on the campus. Um, that's different. That that's that can be overcome, particularly for USC with their football heritage. But UCLA could be competitive, could be good, but they've got to put their resources. They've got to find a way to make football relevant. They've got and I think Martin Jarman is a young, energetic guy. He's got to get people out. He's got to get people excited. Because if you don't win, if you don't create excitement, there's sure a lot of things to do out in California. You see, if you struggle in the South or in hotbeds of football, you struggle as a program, people bitch and complain and will raise money to buy you out because they don't like that. They don't want it. They identify with the success and failure, and they're not going to put up with it. If you don't have success at UCLA, they just won't go. They just won't care. Oh, some will. It's a very small group, relatively speaking. They have got to put some muscle and might into the fundraising of that program, and that only works in conjunction with some on-the-field success. Chip Kelly's got to produce better as a coach. He's got to recruit better. I mean, there's no reason why he can't do a better job than he's done to this point. He now is in a year where he's starting to put things together like he normally likes to do it. But the recruiting is still... Very, very limited. USC's making some changes, substantive changes, to try to fix some things in their recruiting. And whether Clay Helton or someone else can benefit from it, we'll see. UCLA is not even at that point yet. So they've got to figure some things out really quick. Uh, Some other news around um, the league. I know some programs, speaking of the circumstances that we're currently in, um, Justin Wilcox, uh, and I think a couple other programs are going to, they are looking at perhaps moving fall camp away from, I know in the Bay area because of the pandemic, I think you're going to see some of those schools, uh, looking into that. Some bad news, um, we know, and we've talked about it on this show for a while. And we've talked about it on Landry, on uh, LandryFootball.com in our notebooks, but, uh, Oregon, who parted ways with their highly recruited cornerback, Luke Hill. Um, I don't know the details other than what's you know, clearly been reported that um, he's not a part of the program anymore, but he was arrested this week on eight charges of first-degree attempted murder, and you can read about it. We've got it on LandryFootball.com, but you can also read about it. Um, <clears throat> all the different charges. We're talking about a top 200 recruit in the recent signing class. So as we talk about it all the time, and I sit there and tell you about how talented these guys are. This guy looks like a top 150 player nationally, a top 50 player in this given state, and tell you a little bit about what they look like on film. It's 
it's all fine and good. And they considered we don't grade players on five, four, three starts, but we identify them that way for you because we know that's how you follow them. We tell you about how good they are and what they can do. That's all fine and good. But if you end up with guys that don't have personal character or football character, they don't have even work ethic, there are a lot of those guys that die on the vine football-wise. It's a tragic, tragic situation. Some transfer news around the league. Uh, Houston tackle Jarrett Williams, who I think can be a plug-and-play guy, a two-college free agent, 6'7", 308. He is considering a number of schools, including USC. I know Miami, Florida State, Baylor, Ole Miss, the others. Um, hasn't decided yet. Those are the schools <clears throat> that he's listed on his final five. Former Arizona senior safety Scotty Young is transferred to West Virginia as a graduate. He can play right away for the Mountaineers. Former Cal Redshirt senior defensive tackle uh, Chinidu Yudogi is transferred to Illinois with these now the number one school for – home for um, mid-fit football players, Illinois. Uh, Colorado redshirt sophomore quarterback Blake Stentrum is transferred to Princeton. He redshirted his first season with the Buffs and really didn't fit into new coach called Durrell. So he's transferred, but now he's transferred to Princeton. Good for him. Some recruiting news around the conference this past week. Uh, uncommitted four-star defensive back Jalen Davies. Um, has a top four list that includes heavy, heavy Pac-12. Arizona State, USC, Oregon also got Ohio State in it. He took Alabama, Texas, and then two Pac-12 schools, Washington, UCLA. See what I mean? Uh, from the list that he put out near March. Uh, UCLA didn't make the, the cut. Neither did Washington. Um, Oregon were uh, absent on the, on the previous list. Oregon's the school that is turning some people's heads, along with USC starting to do that in the conference. That's the only ones. Uh, but the Buckeyes seem to be really coming on hard. Now, no one has recruited better nationally than Ohio State for this cycle. They're almost full, and they're getting nothing but five stars and four stars. Um, Davies is from Santa Ana, California, and he would like to visit each of the programs, uh, but we're going to have to wait and see when – that that hasn't been lifted yet on the allowance of players to take visits. But we'll keep you up to date on where that's progressing. And then uh, uncommitted four-star guard Josh Simmons is planning on taking visits uh, as well. Uh, was a short, once an Oregon commitment from January, but the La Mesa, California native is going to be exercising a little bit of patience. He's going to be looking at USC, UCLA, Washington, along with Oregon. So there are four Pac-12 schools still in it, but Kentucky, Oklahoma, Michigan, or some other schools outside the Pac-12 he's looking at. He is a top 275 overall prospect in this 2021 class. Stanford this week received the verbal from three-star safety Josh Moore, 6'2", 200, uh, a kid that looked at a lot of academic schools, um, fits right in the mold of Stanford. Northwestern, Duke, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Boston College, the other schools that were in it for the Atlanta native, uh, Stanford. Uh, no one can pick and choose these guys around the nation quite like Stanford from an academic standpoint. Um, he is a top 30 safety prospect in this 2021 class, not one of the 
four-star, five-star guys, but a three-star guy. Oregon got a verbal this week from four-star tackle Jonah Miller. Uh, he's 6'8", he's 290, and he chose him over USC. Uh, again, not not good for the Trojans uh, to be losing out on a kid like this. Um but he chose him over USC, Texas, Washington, and Penn State. He's from Tucson. Strong physical tackle prospect. And uh, he needs to continue to improve his leverage and strength. But, you know, Oregon is doing the best job, we've said this several times, of recruiting in the league. They're also specifically doing the best job of recruiting offensive linemen. They they really They've replaced USC in both right now, and we'll see if that continues. Uncommitted five-star defensive tackle Mason Smith and Corey Foreman, I am watching both of those and where that will likely head up in terms of their recruitment because could be a package deal. Foreman, if you remember, was once committed to Clemson, but USC seems to be a lean for him. Does Mason Smith go with them if it's at USC? It appears like both have some level of interest at at LSU. We'll see how this plays out. Is it USC? Is it LSU? Is it a package deal, or does one go somewhere, one go another? Washington State gets a verbal from three-star guard Brock DU, currently at Castle excuse me, Castile High School in Queens Creek, Arizona. A top 15 player in the state of Arizona for this 2021 class. 6'2", 278, interior lineman, top 50 guard in this class. Um, In addition to Wazoo, Arizona State, Oregon, Boise, Air Force, among the others. Third commitment from Nick Rolovich's staff, and they're all three-star guys. And USC gets a Verbal this week from three-star defensive end Colin Mobley, 6'4", 260. Uh, Pick USC over Notre Dame, Florida, LSU, host of other high-profile programs. It's just one of those three-star guys that, to me, looks more like a four-star. And and what I always say, which the 300 three-stars that are really two-stars and which are the 300 three-stars that are really four-stars. This kid's a four-star, graded improperly. Um, he plays at DeMatha Catholic in Hyattsville. He's a top 15 player in the state. Um, he's really, really good. Um, UCLA, talking about them and some of the things they've got to do. Well, this week they did get a verbal commitment from four-star athlete Devin Kirkwood, considered a prospect at both receiver and cornerback. Um, 6'3", 175-pounder, uh, might end up playing corner for the Bruins, I think. Um, but good good get for them. Need more of them. Also, some news around the league. USC and Ole Miss have agreed to a home-and-home series for 2025-2026. Um, former USC junior quarterback Jack Sears has transferred to Boise State as a graduate. Um, so that's a look there. want to get into uh, – we're going to talk next week a little bit about – some guys that uh, I think have uh, want to get into uh, some things I'm seeing on film on Utah. I want to do a little bit more film work. We always like to bring about some information about players 
uh, within the league that are returning and getting you prepared for them. So we're going to get to more on that during the week next week. A reminder that for more information on Pac-12 football, on college football nationally, each and every league regionally, we cover college football nationally, but we we also cover it locally, regionally, school by school. And we do it by breaking it down this way, by giving you a weekly recap of the region and the conference slash conference and also mixing it in with a national college show at the top. So make sure that you check us out each and every weekday. Sign up for it at Landry Football's conference call, uh, and it'll get there to you. We've got some other things in the works as well. We'll keep you up to date on that. Make sure that you flip on over and listen to the Pro Football Show as well as we um, – Bring that to you each and every day. And check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest detailed information on the world of college football, on the NFL, recruiting boards, draft boards, free agent boards, latest news and notes, uh, roster analysis, both the college and NFL level. Got it all for you. Check it out, LandryFootball.com. And check out our folks at 401K Generation, licensed in all 50 states. You can reach them at 1-866-998-5879. Have a great holiday weekend. We're going to have the show for you on Monday, um, including a weekly recap of the SEC. There will be things going on, so we'll drop it for you. Maybe uh, if you get a chance to listen to it, money great. If not, uh, whenever it will be there for you. Have a great holiday weekend, everybody. Talk to you over on the pro side. We'll talk to you next week.